Let's just say the name of Jesus. 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 The more is Jesus. Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We love you. Jesus. 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 Yesterday I I met a man by the name of Prosperous. We had a function here last night. We had about a hundred and some people come. We probably had about 70 people who were here from Africa. And I met a man who spent two years in a camp and felt there was no hope when he was in that camp. Stuck with his family. Not sure what he would do. Not a lot of food. And he remembered something. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my God. But he remembered something else. He also remembered that he was his Lord. And he made a decision in the midst of all this stuff to submit to his Lordship to still do those things that sometimes didn't seem so powerful in the moment. But he realized that it was all about submitting to God and choosing to love him in the midst of the hardest times of his life. It's interesting because we all want him to be Savior, but are we willing to submit to him as Lord? Because where the difference takes place is when we submit to him as Lord of our lives, where we actually give him every single part of us. This man found a way to give him every single part of his being. And yesterday I got to shake his hand in this building. Not only did I get to shake his hand, but I got to watch 30 other young kids who without these men and women submitting to the Father, every single thing, Everything, because in that moment, you have no choice. It's one thing to say he's Lord, but it's another to fully submit everything to the Father. Every single thing you have. Every part of your being to the Father. And right now, I feel it in this room that there are areas, we know those areas, that we haven't been able to fully submit to the Father. I know that freedom exists that we're singing about. It is there. It's right in front of us. I know that. But God's asking, can you fully submit to me? Every single part of your being, every part of you, that's what I want. Every part of you. There are areas where you're not coming under my lordship. I know those areas of my own life. Father, right now, forgive me. Where I don't come under your lordship, where I choose to rule these areas myself. They are not mine. I give them to you, God. You're not just my Savior. You're my Lord. Every single part of my being right now, Father, I give to you every part. That's what he wants. Every single part. Jesus. Right now, just take a minute. 
And if there are areas of your life where you realize, I'm having a hard time giving this one over, just take a minute and give those parts to him right now. Jesus, we give them to you right now, Father. We surrender it to you right now, Father. So, Father God, right now, we just submit everything to you because there's no other way of doing this. And, Father, that part inside of us that sometimes struggles with handing it all over to you, God, I pray right now that you would come. You would find whatever that is and that you would just remove that from us in Jesus' name. Father, we choose you. We choose you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I was just thinking of... uh, just before we transition, I was thinking of a soccer match. The World Cup just happened not so long ago. I have to admit, I didn't watch a lot of it, but I watched a few games. And one of the things I noticed that happened, and I think we all know this at the beginning of every single game, is that the players come to the front and they meet with one another in the ref. And when they come and they meet with one another, they actually do an exchange. They each have gifts for one another. So the one player from the one team hands the gift over to the other guy, and then he hands his gift over. This morning, that's what we're doing. The Father is always handing that gift over to us. Every single day, as we submit to him, he is willing to hand that gift over to us. But as they sung today, and as Ken even mentioned many times, the second part of the journey is we give that gift back. That gift of worshiping him, of loving him, of calling him Lord, of calling him Savior, of raising our voice to him, and just singing to him. Just in closing this, Drew, why don't you just come and read that scripture real quick. So this is from uh, Deuteronomy 30.11. What I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven So that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it for us so we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will go across the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commandments, decrees and laws. Then you will live and your increase and the Lord your you will increase and your Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. So thank you Father. Well this morning we have a very excited Pastor Paul Eklund who's going to be sharing with us. He's Paul Do you love speaking? Would you say you love speaking, Paul? He does love speaking. But this time I would say more than he's probably ever loved it before. I have never received a text from Paul that said this. I got a text from him a few days ago that said, Chris, I am full. I've got so much, and I can't wait to share it. And so I'm excited for the word that God has placed in Paul's heart. And so we just know God's going to deliver something special today. So let's welcome Pastor Paul. It is good to be home. And I got asked to speak at 
Uh, everyone knows what Awana is. Uh, it's a kids program and for teenagers. Our friends down the street at the Alliance Church uh, run it. They have a lot of kids that go through that program. And I got asked to go speak at their uh, teen camp this last week. And I'm going to share a little bit about that in a second. But five students accepted Jesus this week. And, oh, man. (laughs) Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite you into this place. We invite you to have your way. All morning, I've been feeling that, that healing spirit. Yeah, I don't know you. Okay, so yeah, so I just got back uh, last night from a lake by Bonneville, and, uh, and, it, and it's crazy how God works. At the beginning of this year, I told God, I was like, hey, God, I want to I speak more. I don't know what that looks like, but I, I just want to speak more. And so for the beginning of this year, I, I didn't speak a lot, but then I got asked, I got invited to speak at, uh, at this Awana camp uh, for, it was for Alberta and Saskatchewan. And so today is the ninth day of speaking in a row. So if you need someone to speak tomorrow, I'm on a roll. Yeah, this, this camp was, oh man, the Holy Spirit showed up and it was good. It was good. It was incredible. And, and I got to speak in the, in the evening sessions. And there were five students that accepted Jesus. I talked to one student after and he like, he had a vision and was like shaking from the Holy Spirit. There was like new identities given. Uh, there were lies that have been broken. Uh, there were like lifelong friendships that were formed this past week. And it was just, just like to have a small part in what the Holy Spirit did was, oh man, it was amazing. I'm going to read Second Samuel uh, 23, uh, starting in verse 8. And, and what's going to happen is I'm going to brutally mispronounce a lot of names, but I'm going to do it with enough confidence that you think you're mispronouncing it. So starting in verse 8, these are the names of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jashobim, the Hamanite, who was leader of the three, the three mightiest warriors among David's men. He once used his spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. Next in rank among the three was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the descendant of Ahoah. Once Eleazar and David stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israelite army had fled. He killed Philistines until his hand was so tired, was too tired to lift his sword, and the Lord gave him a great victory that day. The rest of the army did not return. The rest of the army did not return until it was time to collect the plunder. Next in rank was Shammah, son of Agi from Harar. One time the Philistines gathered at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled, but Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Once during the harvest when David was at the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was capped in the valley of Rephaim. The three, who were among the thirty, an elite group among David's fighting men, went down to meet with him there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate of Bethlehem. 
So the three broke through the Philistines' lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These were examples of the exploits of the three. And, uh, and then there's, there, it keeps going, and I'd really encourage you to, to go back and read this. But, but this morning, I want to talk about pain. Okay, so, so three years ago, I was, uh, I was helping out at a, at a teen camp, and, um, and, and I was staying with some friends, and, and one night we decided it would be an awesome idea to go prank the teens at the camp. And so my one friend decided, he's like, I don't want any part of that. And so he got to stay home with the kids who were sleeping. And, and me and his wife went to this teen camp, and, and we decided that we were going to prank the teens. So while all the teens were distracted in chapel, we, we, we took over 60 mattresses from all their dorms, and we hid them in a different part of the building. Mission accomplished. We're about to head back to my truck and go back to their house when my friend looks at me and I was like, hey, we should put some on the roof of the building because then when they're walking back from the chapel, then they'll see them and it'll be funny. And so me being me, I'm like, hey, you know what? Actually, let's just build a fort of mattresses on the roof and then they'll definitely see them coming back. And so just so you know, it's really hard to build a fort with floppy mattresses on a sloped roof. It's not easy. So I hop up on the roof. She hands me these mattresses up on the roof and, uh, and, I, and I somehow finagle, like, this semi-decent-looking fort so that when they're walking back from the chapel, they'll, they'll look up and they'll see these mattresses there. And, and, and so mission accomplished. We're done. I reach. Uh, there's, there's a tree growing right by the building. And so I, I reach out to grab the tree, and that's the last thing I remember. <laughs> and so the next thing I remember is, like, this flash of light and I, like, wake up, and I'm lying on the ground 15 feet lower than where I was before. I fell face first off that building, and I remember waking up and hearing my friend laughing, walking up to me going, are you okay? <laughs> and, and I'm like, was like, no. So I cracked three ribs. I got a wicked black eye. And... I have a great analogy for future sermons. And sometimes when I think back to this moment, it's like, okay, so my friend was there. She encouraged me to do this. It, it worked out okay. But I kind of think, like, what would have happened if, if my mom was there, right? Like, if I turn to my mom and she's standing there and I'm like, I'm going to climb up on the roof and, and I'm going to put mattresses up there and I'm just going to build a fort on the roof. I think of, like, the mom looks, you all know what I'm talking about. There's, like, different mom looks that you pull out for different occasions, right? And so, like, there's the are you serious look. Like, the are you serious, and that's when you're like, mom, look at me, and you're about to do something really dumb. And she just, like, kind of look, looks at you, and, and you're like, look at me, and then you're going to do something stupid, and she looks at you. But you've already done, like, 14 stupid things in the last hour. And so she's like, you're going to get hurt but I'm tired of, like, trying to stop you. So you're just going to learn the hard way. But because I love you, I'm still going to throw out this last look. 
and then you do the dumb thing, and then you hurt yourself, and then she hugs you, right? Like the are you serious look. And then there's the other, these other mom looks, like don't even think about it, right? Like that's the, that's the death look. And that's the look you get right before you like take the fork and stick it in the wall socket. But there's varying degrees of it. There's varying degrees of the art, don't even think about it. There's like the one where you're on a road trip, and you're poking your sibling, and then your sibling screams, and then mom's head whips around, and you're like, okay, that one's not too bad. So you poke your sibling in slow motion, then they're screaming and all hell, hell breaks loose, right? There's that like varying degree of, well, that one's not too bad, so I'll still kind of get away with it. But then there's the one of like, you're about to stick the fork in the wall socket. That's like, you look at that look and you know you're in trouble, right? You look at it and it's like, will death by mom or death by electricity be less painful? Right? That's the moment where it's like you take a couple extra seconds to think about it. Let's just be honest. And so there's, there's that mom look. And then, and then I think about, like, if my mom was there with me at this camp, I would have got, like, the guilty look. Like, like the, that's the one where you, like, your mom looks at you in a certain way, and you want to, like, apologize for things you didn't even do. Like, you go around to your neighbors, and you're like, I'm sorry for whatever I did in the past, but um, I don't know what it was, but I'm sorry. And so I, I think about back to this time, and I feel like, I feel like my mom would have gave me like the guilty look, where uh, I'd been like, Mom, I'm going to climb up on this roof, and she'll like look at me in that way, and then I'd go and put all the mattresses back, <laughs> and then go to the chapel and apologize to all the teens, and then go back to their room and like clean their shoes, right? Like, like I feel like that's what would have happened. And the point of this story, the point of the story, is pranks can be funny, just eat a lot of protein before you do them if they involve physical exercise. Let's pray. So the point of this story is, is, is pain happens and who's around you is important. I think some of us kind of like wish that life was full of like kittens and unicorns and, uh, and rainbows, but the truth is, is that there's, there's always pain and there's always going to be pain in life. And, and, and there's some pain that we, we bring on ourselves. There's, there's, you know, like emotional, physical, mental pain where uh, we make bad eating habits or we, we avoid physical exercise. And then over time we get the pain because our bodies start to shut down. Or we, put in, we get in a little bit of debt and then we get in a little bit more debt and then over time, the pain from too much debt is overwhelming, or, or we, we neglect like marriages, or we neglect relationships, and, and create pain, and then there's the pain that we don't see coming. There's, there's you know, maybe someone passes away, or you lose your job, or, or a friend betrays you. There's pain that, that we can't see coming. And then there's the fact that, you know what, as Christians, and as we're called to like a higher standard, Satan gets scared of that. And so when we're, when we're pursuing God and we're doing that thing, he's, he's attacking all the time because when we're living for God and we're doing things, he's scared. And, and the, but the good news is, is if we know that pain is going to happen, there are things that we can do beforehand to prepare. And, and there's, there's a bunch of things, but just for sake of time today, I, I just want to talk about people. 
And, and here is the important thing. Who is in your life? Who are the people who love you, who fight for you, who support you, and just do life with you? Other than our relationship with God, that's the most important thing we can ever be thinking about. You become like the five people that you spend the most amount of time with. If you think about it, it's think about the five people that you spend the most amount of time with. Think about the time, people that you hang out with, and, and chances are you're very similar to those people. There's the other thing. Show me, the other quote, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. If you want to do great things in life, we need to hang out with great people. If we want to have passionate relationships with God, we need to hang out with, passionate, or with people that are passionate about their relationship with God. And, and, it, and it works the other way, too. Every, every bad decision we make in life, we don't usually make alone. I don't hang out with that friend anymore. Uh, there's, there's story after story in the Bible, like the story of David. And, and I think of like his legacy as a king was because, uh, because of these men that he had around him. There's, there's Jesus had the 12 disciples. Uh, the Apostle Paul always talked about people that were helping him and with him in his life. And then David had these men doing extraordinary things, accomplishing great things, supporting him and challenging him to be better. I think about my own life and I think about the people in it. And, and, I, and I'm pretty open about the fact that six years ago I went through an incredibly painful divorce. And, and in that time it was because of, because of God and it was because of the people who were in my life that helped me get through that. I think of my family. Uh, I think of my pastor who encouraged me and challenged me in that season. And I, and I think of my two best friends who, when I was at the lowest of my life, they just allowed me to like grieve and be sad and cry on their couch regardless of what I was going through. The person I was at the end of that season and the person I was at the beginning of that season is two completely different people because of who was in my life. Without a doubt, I am a different person today because of those people. So here is what I want you to think about today. Who's in your life when things get tough? Who can you cry in front of? Who can you vent to? Who will hug you when you need it? And here's the twist, because I like adding twists. Because the actual point of what I'm saying right now is this. Who in your life knows that you're that person for them? Are you intentional about reminding people that you are there for them? I know I don't do this enough, and I'll be the first to admit it, but could you imagine the change in our relationships if people knew that when they were going through something, if people knew that when they're having a bad day, that you could, they could call you, text you, just show up at your house? I think it would change relationships. I want to take a minute to speak specifically to parents right now, whether you have a one-year-old or a 42-year-old. Here's the reality. There's going to be things in your life that your kids don't want to talk about with you or they're going to be afraid to talk about with you and so my encouragement to you today and my challenge is is what are you doing today to intentionally get as many healthy encouraging people in the lives of your children as possible when I was prepping to go speak at this camp there were two things that I felt like the Holy Spirit told me that I needed to do and the first thing was I needed to be vulnerable and I needed to share my mistakes and so pretty much every night I shared uh, just a part of my testimony and, and just the, the goodness of God and the things that have come from my life because of what God's done in me through uh, the good times and through the bad times. And the second thing is, is I took, a, I took a, a box with me and I, and I gave the teens um, space to ask real questions. And I got so many good questions from these teenagers 
that that I had to do two nights of just like question and answer. There were there were questions that they were afraid to ask their parents. There were questions that they had no one in their life that they could go to to ask these questions. And these are like good questions and parents do everything possible to be that person for your kid. Do everything you can, but the reality is is that at some point there's going to be a time when they're going to be afraid to talk to you or not sure how to talk to you. And each night as I spoke, I would answer a couple of questions and I would just be real with them. And I would just be honest and the Holy Spirit used that time to like just move through that camp. And he used that honesty and that openness to just like to just do his work. And there was a couple times in the mornings where counselors would come to the morning meeting and they would be weeping because because the teens felt safe asking their counselor these questions. And it opened something in those cabins where where there was identity that was being changed because there was that openness and that honesty to ask the tough questions. Some of the questions I got is when trying to make a choice, like where to go to school, who to marry, who to date, how do you know if it's God's plan or voice in those decisions? Some days I feel like I'm not a Christian. Or what happens when you stop being one? What do you do? Why did God make the devil if he knew he would do wrong? Why is there sickness, sadness, and death in our lives? And why would God give me a free choice if he already knows what the choice is going to be? Why does being a Christian get harder as you get older? Our culture is under attack. The church should be the place, family should be the place where we can have real, honest conversations. And having that open space, like, oh man, I wish you all could have been there. Like, like the Holy Spirit moves so powerfully in this week, and I felt like I needed to come back, and I just needed to encourage specifically parents, but all of us, to get in lives of other people and just, just be there and be that place and that safe place and be honest and open and real. And I feel like the Holy Spirit can move so powerfully when we open up those conversations. The question I want to leave off with today is whose life are we in and who's in our life? Two very important questions. I feel like God's not done. There's something about being like, like family. There's power in being family. And not like necessarily physical family, but just like the family of God. And, and I feel like, I hear the Holy Spirit saying there's, there's, some, there's more healing that needs to happen. There's, there's emotional healing that needs to happen. There's, uh, there's people that you have been praying for for a long time, and God's going to heal them. So, so if that's you, and if there's something that you feel you want to come, you want to pray for, whether that's for yourself or for someone else, I'm just going to open up the altar and just come. And, here, and here's where we get to practice being a family. And, and, and if you're sitting there and God's putting one of the people up here on your heart, I just want to encourage you to just come be family and let's surround these people and believe with them and support them and encourage them uh, as, as they're walking through what they're walking through. Now's the chance to get out of our comfort zone and to just come and love. 